It is December 3rd, 2020. We are many, many years past the 35th annual Academy Awards, but even though it's been oh so many years since we've celebrated that anniversary, we here at The Envelope Please want to do a little something special to uh, celebrate it uh, again, right? That is correct. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to kind of break down the last 35 years of Oscar and give you guys our top five winning performances for the acting categories and then also uh, give you our more uh, succinct top 10 best picture winners throughout the entire uh, last 35 years. I found this to be very challenging. Um, This was almost as challenging as watching the greatest show on earth i (laughs) uh, too true too true (laughs) uh, no i i i found this um i found this to be a daunting task because um uh i kind of had an idea going in where i was going to place the movies okay and i did try to place them less on what my favorite is and what i thought the best were you know which is always difficult but um the acting categories were were interesting because um i I don't know i i i i'm not as married to my list for acting and so i i think i played around with it a little bit more uh for me it was kind of more challenging just because i feel like i love more of the performances that just get nominated and don't end up winning the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Usually, I think we've kind of found out through doing all of these episodes that we tend to disagree with the winners uh, more often than not, uh, particularly with the actresses, just because we've seen so many more of those movies, for me anyway. Yeah, no, I I think that there are a lot of instances. Had this been a list that was of nominees, we would have had to open it up to be a top 10 or a top 20, you know, because... Uh, that's absolutely true so many nominees and there's so many betty davis performances that's the that's the really (laughs) difficult thing you know there's there there's one movie that betty davis won for that it would not be on anyone's top actress performances list um and that's absolutely unfortunate because if if the little foxes or all about eve was here you know that would be a, a contender for number one or two so Absolutely. This will make for a very interesting bunch of lists here. So why don't we start off with probably our least favorite category and also the first category presented during the night with supporting actor. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I would love to hear who you cooked up with your number five spot for supporting actor. Okay. Mine is uh, from... A um, it, it, mine goes to a non-actor who um, oh. uh, who made a big splash with his uh, only real significant film role, um, and actually technically won two Oscars for his performance. I'm sure you know mm-hmm. I'm talking about Harold Russell in the best years of our lives. Yes, those were some great clues. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. His performance is a knockout. It's incredible that he had never done acting before. It's really quite astonishing. Um, Yeah, he's great. And I mean, he um, 
he does a great job of um of communicating just how difficult it probably felt for many people who came back from the war not themselves um and you know in his case it was the fact that he didn't have uh his lower arms anymore but um for many uh it also probably represented the emotional and as well as the physical toll that World War II had on them. So I, I think it's a very powerful performance, and I think it's definitely worthy of being on this list. I couldn't agree more. Uh, my number five spot, I feel like this is going to be kind of out of left field for you. Uh, this is way back in the 1930s. It's a, a small part, but a very affecting part uh, in a movie that neither of us cared for very much. It is Joseph Skillcraft for The Life of Emile Zola. You know, that is a good performance, and that is a, um, that is a, okay, I, I'm down, <laughs> I'm down with that. Go ahead and give your, your reasoning. Uh, for me, it's, it comes down to that final moment where he finally is set free, and he walks out of the prison cell and doesn't know what to do with himself. I think those, even though it's a couple of seconds on screen, it just, it's exactly what I wanted to see from him, from that character. You know, it was so honest. And I think that's what kind of floored me the most was, was that honesty he brought to those moments. And it has stuck with me these entire last few months since we have departed from 1937. And uh, yeah, it's lingered in my brain. Um, that was my favorite part of that film. So, um, probably the only good part is not to say much cause I, I didn't love the movie, but, um, but that said, if I was going to choose <laughs> something to honor from that film, it would be that. I love that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give, uh, my number four since it's your number five, Harold Russell is my number four. Great. Uh, and to kind of, yeah, to kind of continue what you were saying about his performance, too, I feel like it was super important for audiences to understand that he's not an actor. So when you identify with a character and a performance on the screen, there's still kind of a separation because you know this person is an actor giving a performance. But with Harold Russell doing what he's doing here, there really is no um, separation. You're, It's almost like you're watching him come back from war and what he actually had to experience. Yeah. And I think that's so much more identifiable for people than if it had been, you know, some other actor just playing the part. And I think that's what is so arresting with what he does on the screen. No, I completely agree. Um, I, that's a great summation of what I should have said a couple minutes ago, Sam. I mean, it's like you, <laughs> Um, I'm looking at the, the rest of this list and I'm, I'm wondering, I feel like there are th two performances I'm sure we're both going to have. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one I'm pretty sure you're not going to have because I don't think you've seen it. Um, and then there's another I'm wondering if you'll choose. My number four is uh, Carl Malden in A Streetcar Named Desire. Mm, yes. Okay, good. So why is he number four? Um... Well, I mean, that's still pretty high. I'm not saying that anything. Carl Malden is one of my favorite uh, character actors. And uh, I think that this and On the Waterfront are like his his biggest performances. Um, obviously what he's known for uh, popularly. Um, but it's it's just a great um, it's the it's a I mean, like 
how can I stop talking about Carl Malden's or how could I surmise his greatness in a way that is tangible? He's just um, an unusual looking person who does a great job of communicating emotions and makes you feel connected and related to him in the way that he opens up his uniqueness to an audience, if that makes any sense. Because sure. he um, he's not a conventional leading man. He's not a conventional actor type. He has, you know, the big bulbous nose right on on his on his uh in the middle of his face but it's that humanity that that normality of his appearance that makes a part like streetcar so compelling and just makes him one of i think the the best character actors of the or best actors period of the last uh, century so i guess i go with my number three now is this how this is working yeah, give us that three. Um, mine is George Sanders and All About Eve. Ooh, okay. Uh, did you think that would be higher? Is that why? I really did think that would oh, be okay. higher for you. I did. He's perfect. Um, uh, <laughs> He's perfect. His voice is the silkiest voice you've ever heard in your life. I wish that it had read every single audiobook because... <laughs> I would listen to anything uh, coming from that just, like, syrupy voice of his. It's so indefinable in its smoothness. Um, and it makes complete sense that he played Sheer Khan in uh, the Jungle Book uh, animated film. Because, like, it's that snake-like, smooth, silky, I don't know, very... Unique voice. Um, and he, of course, uh, narrates uh, the first section of the movie. Um, it does switch narrators, but uh, he sets up the scene um, through his voice of everything we need to know about the initial story. And then he proceeds to kind of play this almost um, Greek chorus to the whole story as he uh, comments on everything that's happening as it happens. And he he is the audience, but he's slimier than the audience. But we are slimy because we're enjoying all the drama. So I, I love what his character represents, and I love... Um, I, I love just the sheer gusto that he bites into it it's it's a great it's a great performance yeah totally uh my number three is frank sinatra from here to eternity <laughs> i figured that was coming. that one's my number three yeah yeah um i think he what he does on in this movie is unlike any other frank sinatra performance um it's funny it's tragic it you know, it has, it is, for me uh, personally, it is really the definition of a supporting performance. He does support Montgomery Clift, you know, throughout this whole movie. Um, and yeah, when he dies, you really miss him. And I think that's a really, um, 
good feature of a strong character. You want him to come back, you know? Uh, yeah, I loved it. And I mean, that Oscar also ends up being so um, consequential to his career, you know? Yeah. It's basically what he had faded away, and that was his comeback that, that then launched us into what becomes the Frank Sinatra legend. I'll bounce into my number two, uh, which is Carl Malden, Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, I have to put this one a lot higher than you. I don't know. What the movie, movie itself. No idea. Okay, sorry. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> no, yes. Uh, I have to put Carl Malden a little bit lower just because Streetcar is one of my favorite movies. And he he really does give, uh, I don't want to say the best performance in the film, but my God, his scenes are just so heavy. It, the journey he goes on, again, is just so interesting. And like you say, you feel so bad for him, you know? You really, really do. He, um, yeah, there's like a sensitivity in his performance that I really connected to. Um, and when he feels betrayed, you really feel it. And uh, yeah, it's great. My number two, diverting, mm-hmm. is um, a performance that fits in very, very well this time of year. It's Edmund Gwen as... Uh, Chris Kringle in Miracle on 34th Street. Um, And (laughs) I know that this may seem like a a lightweight choice, but it is my opinion that he gives the definitive Santa Claus performance that makes you believe that maybe there's a little bit of magic up at the North Pole. And... uh, I think that his uh, performance helped inspire generations of what we view Santa to be like. Um, and particularly his interactions whenever he is at the at the Macy's um, talking to the children, uh, the way he interacts with Natalie Wood, all of that stuff is just uh, wonderful. And I can't wait to watch it again because it's the time of year to watch it again. It is. You would be happy to know that he was, uh, I had seven that I had put down, and he was number seven before I X-nade two of them. Uh, so he did make my shortlist. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I knew, I didn't think you'd go as lightweight as, as this, but I don't consider it lightweight because it is the definitive Santa Claus. Yes, no surprise here. My number one is... Sanders all about Eve everything that you said and more he's just so wonderful he's so alluring and um what I love about his performance is whenever anybody insults him he smiles because he knows it's true and he owns it and I just think that's so fabulous he has that conversation with Ann Baxter later in the movie where he talks about how they're both snakes you know yeah absolutely he's not trying to hide it uh and the fact that you know, a male performance in this female-dominated movie can still rise above so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so great. He is my champion for supporting actor. Who is yours? I'm dying to know. My number one is a movie we have not mentioned yet. This is, uh, I don't think you've seen it, but you'll love it. Um, it's Charles Coburn in The More the Merrier. Uh, oh, I did watch this. I watched it. I sure did. Oh, you did? I did, yes. He, in a way, he's almost a lead, so it's a little bit of category fraud. 
But I mm-hmm. think he is so delightful in that film. And that movie is like a nice warm hug of a romantic comedy. Um, and I, I just love him as the... Um, I, I love him as a character actor because he pops up in a bunch of movies in the 40s um, and 50s. Uh, he's also in like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and some other stuff. But he um, he's just so unassuming and good-natured and delightful um, that I I just I absolutely love his performance in the film. And I think it is a movie that other people should know about because I think it's a cute film. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I hesitated on him. I was like, do I put him in there? Maybe not. I didn't. <laughs> it's okay. I know that I, I, I had a feeling you would trend away from comedy, but um, uh, I usually tend to. Yes. Uh, but I, I wanted his, I knew, I figured you wouldn't, I'm glad that you saw the movie though, because, mm-hmm. um, because it's, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Do we want to move to supporting actress? Yes, let's do that, shall we? Um, would you like to kick us off with your number five spot? I feel like, again, I probably have chosen something that you put higher. Um, are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. I feel like these are five performances that I am, like, hitched to. Like, I love these these women and these performances. Oh, yeah. uh, yep. My number five is Eva Marie Saint and On the Waterfront. Ooh, okay. Yep, she is a little little bit lower for me but yeah go ahead or higher i guess yeah go ahead yeah, higher or lower yeah um yeah as you guys who are longtime listeners of the podcast know even marie saint and i are basically best friends and <laughs> um <laughs> and so i couldn't not put her on the list but she also has what i think is one of the great debut performances in film history um and she is so sensitive and so relatable and so um you know, kind of like we were talking about how Carl Malden looks like a person. It, it's funny. Even Rusain is just, like, absolutely beautiful. Um, and then Hitchcock, you know, later gives her that Edith Head, you know, treatment. Um, but uh, in this movie, she just looks like the girl next door. The actual girl next door. And she is so sweet and shy and sensitive and... Um, it's just like uh, whenever she breaks apart, you break apart with her. Um, I uh, I I love I love Eva Marie Saint and I love uh, her performance in this film. Yes, love that. Could not agree more. Uh, my number five spot. I would be curious to see if you actually put this one down. I went with Jane Darwell in The Grapes of Wrath. I love her in this movie. I I think she is so tragic, especially when you're talking about the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression and how many people suffered during that. She totally embodies everything those people had to give up during this time. And it's amazing to watch on the screen. It's It's another one that really stuck with me after watching the film. Well, I mean, the moment that I never forget from that movie is when... Um... She's you. You know exactly what I'm going to say um, is <laughs> when she uh, holds the earrings up to her mm-hmm. ear and looks at herself in the mirror. And it's just like this tattered version of what she probably sees in her head. And um, ha- who hasn't felt like that in quarantine? But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yes. <laughs> but you you hit the nail on the head. That is like such a pure moment of just honesty. And that is what I look for in performances. Uh, and yes, you singled that moment out. And that is the reason she made the list. Absolutely. And it's great, too, because that actress, Jane Darwell, is another character actress that's in a whole bunch of movies in the 30s and 40s. She's in Gone with the Wind. You know, she's in a bunch of other films. Um, but I feel like this is probably one of the few chances she had to do more than display a busybody, um, you know, a, a more stereotypical oh, yeah. character. And it's just so great to see somebody be handed uh, such a complicated part and just knock it out of the park, you know. What's your number four? My number four is another one from Streetcar. I went with Kim Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess for the same reasons why we both put Stella. Carl Malden in our supporting actor. Yeah, she is Stella. You know, I, I don't think you can't not put Stella on a list of great supporting performances. She is the glue that really holds together all of these just oh, broken people, you know, and... I guess you find out in the end she's just as broken and it's amazing to watch. And I think she really knocks it out of the park. No, I completely agree. And um, Kim Hunter, it's it's funny that you call her the glue that holds that movie together because that may be the best way to put it. Honestly, I went a different direction with number four. Um, okay. I chose uh, Miss Mercedes McCambridge for all the King's men. Oh, I'm so uh, glad you put her down. <laughs> uh I, she, okay, All the King's Men was maybe the biggest surprise for me out of our watches. Um, It was the one that I probably expected the least from and got the most from. Um, And it's a great film, but her performance is my favorite part of the movie. Um, She gives, again, a defining supporting performance, Um, even though she has the largest female role in the movie. Um, it is a supporting role, and she is just tough, no nonsense. Um, but there's humanity there because she doesn't think she's as pretty as the other girl, and she doesn't. Um, she and she wants love and affection, and she wants all these things that she can't, or she feels like she can't have. Um, and she throws herself into her work. And she is so tough and gritty, but so vulnerable. She is, it's such a great performance. Yes, another defining mirror scene as well. Oh, the mirror scene. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So good. Um, So that's my number four. Um, Do you want me to go ahead with three? You know what, I'll do three because my number three is actually Eva Marie Saint from On the Waterfront. Oh, okay. Yes, so not totally different from you, but she had to make the list. Again, an outstanding debut performance. Um, yeah, what I what I really enjoy most about her in this film is she is the character that you are able to so easily fall in love with. And, you know, just like I think Brando does in the film, you want you want to protect her. You want to shield her from all of these horrors that are going on around. Uh, Brando in this film and the fact that you just kind of want to reach into the film and just kind of you know embrace her uh, it's it's a very difficult thing to achieve and she does it like the first couple seconds on screen my number three is uh, Mary Astor and the Great Lie (laughs) 
Have you seen The Great Lie? I forget. I haven't yet, but you, I know you've told me to watch it so many times, and I need to, but I'm really glad that it, it's appeared on your list, because it's kind of reminding me that that needs to be put further on my list of movies to watch, higher on my list of movies to watch. <laughs> well, I don't want you to go in thinking you're going to watch a great film, because that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> what's going to happen is you're going to watch a movie that is fun and bitchy. Um... That sounds like my cup of tea. And there is an extended sequence in that movie that is just Betty Davis and Mary Astor stuck in a cabin in the middle of nowhere together. (laughs) That is so delicious because they hate each other so much. (laughs) And Mary Astor is just given the task of playing this over-the-top woman, and she chews the scenery like nobody's business, but in the best possible way. I mean, she's she just is so... There's, like, one point where a, um, she's, like, lounging, in a, and um, a man is massaging her arm because she's a pianist, and her arms are sore from her from her, uh, you know, performances. And she's talking to somebody and the guy's massaging her arm. And then at one, she just stops what she's saying. She turns him, she slaps him and says, ouch, you hurt. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then just sends the guy away. I mean, just slaps him. It's, it's just a bunch of stuff like that. And then she's like, she's like the other woman, most of the movie, and she's showing up at inopportune times. And every time she shows up, she has like this smile on her face. Like, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> um, she's like evil and wonderful. And it's just like, it's just like someone being handed a super soapy script and saying, I'm going to do everything I can with this. Mm-hmm. And, and wonderful. she does. And I also love Mary Astor in general. So there we go. Wonderful. So I feel like a prediction, our number one and two are probably the same ones. I'm just curious if they're going to be in the same order. Uh, What's your number two? Rita Moreno and West Side Story. Yeah, I think we're going to flip flop these. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yep. I didn't didn't think there could be any other number one and two. Um, So Rita Moreno is... um, one of uh, gives such a revelation of her performance in West Side Story. She is the glue that holds that movie together. Um, she's the emotional core of that film. Um, the scene where she uh, almost uh, gets raped um, is uh, heartbreaking. And the way that she says, uh, she spits out, you tell your friend, the way she she spits out those lines um at the end is just like oh and she's the only character that's not in the last scene which is very telling um but she also before she goes through this bitter transition she's just this ball of life and vigor and part of what makes her later scenes so effective in the film is that we see her when she's at her zenith and we watch the fall, you know. Um, and Rita, I, I wish she had gotten more opportunities than she did because she hits 
um, I say that and I realize that she has an EGOT. I just wish she had gotten more film opportunities than she did. Um, sure. Because um, she hits every moment of this movie from uh, the Mambo to um, uh, 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 the, a boy like that to uh, the end. And it's just perfect. It surely is. Um, my number two goes to Hattie McDaniel, Gone with the Wind. Um, I mean, she... Talk about the glue that holds the family together. I feel like that's kind of a, a trend here with our supporting actress winners. Honestly, when you finish watching Gone with the Wind, I feel like everyone always is, you know, blown away by Vivian Lee and all that she does. But honestly, Hannah McDaniel does just as much. And she's a much better person. <laughs> My number one is Hattie McDaniel in Gauntlet. <laughs> um, yep. So I'll say that and then talk about her. Um, Hattie, uh, Hattie is another, I've mentioned this word a lot, character actress uh, who um, pops up in a lot of movies in the 30s and 40s. And she's always playing maids because that's what the time was. <laughs> And she's always making the most of whatever small part she has. Um, and there's very few moments where she doesn't just get to be the comic relief. And she has, uh, she's given a lot more to do in Gone with the Wind than she normally is able to. And she takes a role that could have just been the stereotypical supportive, um, you know, subservient black character that was so typical of the time. And she gives it, stuff that is not written on the page that is not in the material that um transcends uh the stereotype and gives uh, layers that um that w wouldn't necessarily have been there had she not taken on the role um and in particular she's given one uh incredibly uh lengthy uh monologue um as she's walking up the stairs with olivia de havland going to uh clark gable who's in mourning um over his daughter um and she explains everything that's happened in the house in the last day and she relates it with such anguish um that you just like you're you're sitting there marveling and I think in a way it, it it shows not only how great a performer she was and how much potential she has, but in a way that scene is showing us how much unearthed talent was um, being wasted um, in Hollywood in general uh, by the black performers who were not being given opportunities um and it's a role that i think not only showcases how great hattie is but how great uh so many black performers of the day could have been had they been given the opportunity yeah absolutely that's that is a perfect summation of why that is such a deserved oscar my number one was your number two rita moreno west side story she blows me away every time i watch this movie i walk away only thinking about her we talked about this in our West Side Story episode. Um, I like West Side Story. I have a lot of problems with the acting on some of the other performers, but Rita Moreno is so solid um, in the part that 
yeah, I it's fire is the word that comes to mind whenever I think of her in that movie. She is pure fire. And in my opinion, the greatest supporting actress winner in the last 35 years or the first 35 years of Oscar. All right, now for our final category for our part <laughs> one special <laughs> for our uh, season finale here, we are going to be doing our top five for actor. Um, my number five for best actor is Ernest Borgnine in Marty. I had to put him in here. Um, he, this is such an endearing and just sweet performance. He's so lovable. You just want the best for him. Uh, and I think it's so great coming from such a big, robust guy, you know, who only a couple years before was playing such an asshole and from here to eternity. Now you see this completely reversed character in uh, Marty and, you know, you just root for him the entire picture. And I think that's uh, so great. I um, am going to hold off saying anything about that. Beautiful. OK, give me your number five. Burt Lancaster and Elmer Gantry. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, I know I don't think you like this movie as much as I do, but um, but I love uh, I, okay. Here's the deal. I I think Burt Lancaster is one of the most attractive men who's ever been in movies, but um, that said, I don't always love him in movies. Um, and uh. He does. He is in some really solid films. He's of course in on the waterfront. Uh, not on the waterfront. And from here to eternity, <laughs> uh, very different. Um, and he's uh, he's the husband in Come Back, Little Sheba. But um, but you know, a lot of times I'm just kind of like whatever about Burt Lancaster. But that ends up playing really well into what he plays in Elmer Gantry. And I love his performance in Elmer Gantry because it takes my, like uh, the fact that I like him for his appearance <laughs> mm -hmm. and it turns it on his head because it shows you that you can't trust people because of what they look like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yes. So I, I enjoy that it uses his persona in that way. Um, and I also think there isn't a, a better person to play that kind of con man. Um, and coming from a very religious background, I, I relate to the, um, storyline as well. So, um, I, I really like his performance. That's it. Okay. I love that you love it. Uh, what's your number four? <laughs> <laughs> My number four is Ernest Borgnine and Marty. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. All of the things that you just said, he is um, so kind, so relatable, so normal, and you just can't help but sit there and and feel for him every second of the way. It's a slice of life. Definitely. And I think also kind of what's so great about that, too, is at the end of the film, he finally realizes that it's himself that's holding him back. And, you know, the reason he's so unhappy 
is his own fault and he can make that change by just doing what he wants to do and that's dating the girl he likes you know and i think that's so relatable for people to see because oftentimes we are the ones holding ourselves back due to some kind of preconceived notion in our brain you know saying oh, i can't do this because of x y and z but those are just false and he finally gets that and i love that moment when he realizes he can be happy he can be happy. And it's oh, so wonderful. It just it makes my my heart so happy. Okay, my number four for something totally opposite uh, is Ray Milland in The Lost Weekend. This movie makes me terrified to drink any kind of alcohol. He, uh, oh, you know, this, I, I think I talked about this when we did this, uh, the 1945 episode. This is truly a horror movie. It's a horror performance. And he is yeah. so frightening when he goes off the bender falls off the wagon and just falls into a pit of despair. It's, it is a tour de force performance and the whole movie is about him. It's, it's totally his. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really, really quite spectacular. Um, I agree. What's your number three? My number three goes to Broderick Crawford and all the King's men. Oh, um, nice. Again, like what you were talking about with Mercedes McCambridge, this movie also surprised me. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, and I was blown away. And I think he does such a great job of showing how easily a person can be corrupted in seeking power, especially in politics. You know, you go into it for all the right reasons, and then you start to bend and twist your morals just to get something done. And by the time it's done, you're a totally different human. And he goes on that trajectory throughout the movie. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think he does it perfectly. I agree with you. And uh, I think that the fact that he isn't somebody who was a very known actor and is not something that I think very many people have seen and very much else really benefits that performance too, because, because he is like a clean slate and we don't know what to think about him. And you spend yeah. the whole movie wondering whether or not you can trust him. It's, it's a, he, he plays it so well. He's, he's great. Who's your number three? Alec Guinness in the bridge on the river Kwai. Mm. Um, I, uh, Another very complex performance, you know, he he spends the whole movie basically defying what everybody wants him to do um, in the uh, pursuit of a creation, you know, and and that creation ends up being the thing that destroys him. And I, I love those types of metaphors. I love the way he plays it. I um I think it must be it must be so difficult uh an assignment to play a person who is simultaneously loyal to one country and but then also totally loyal to the rule of law, totally loyal to um the rules of war and totally loyal to his own integrity and in seeing the humanity in others. That isn't easy because he's, he's playing in a way, both sides, you know, like, All right, let's hear your number uh, two. Clark Gable. And it happened one night. 
Mm. He almost made my list. He was number six. Well, it is such a delightful performance. Um, it is. And uh, while if if he had won for Gom the Win, you know, that might rival this spot on the list because he does have more to do emotionally in Gone with the Wind, um, including crying, which was a big thing for him. But um, in this movie, he just has to be this, you know, typical dude who ends up falling for a girl but doesn't want to admit his own soft, gooey sinner, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and gets so frustrated and angry because he has those feelings. And it's such a, a, a fun little arc, but he plays it in such a way that's so hilarious and so um, real and human. Um, and just, he's one of the great um, personas of screen history. And I love it when somebody who seems so larger than life um, gets thrown in the middle of nowhere hitchhiking and we get this or on a bus and we get to see him in just everyday life being one of the dude, one of the guys, you know, and, mm-hmm. and when he does that, he ends up pulling out this performance that he didn't want to give. That was not a movie he wanted to do, but it ends up being, I, I think the crowning achievement of the King of Hollywood's career, you know, and um, he uh, he definitely earned this Oscar. I, I think that it, it is the not only defining performance for him, but I think it's uh, the gold standard of um, of romantic comedy leading men. My number two spot goes to Gregory Peck into Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Did that surprise you? I thought for sure that would be your number one. I was, I didn't have, I, well, I, I legit thought, well, well, Gregory Peck will be his number one. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm glad that I can shock you. I no longer know where this is going. Oh, um, wow. I feel like my number one is pretty obvious. <laughs> maybe it will be after you say it, but, um, no, Gregory Peck comes in number two for me. It is such a strong performance. He's just the embodiment of goodness, you know? Oh, He's just... I know. Okay. Did it click? It clicked. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, Gregory Peck is just so wonderful in, in To Kill a Mockingbird. I think it is just overall one of the most defining performances um, ever, not in just the 35 years, first 35 years of Oscar, but in all of the years of Oscar. Um and I think it's Gregory Peck's strongest performance out of a career of strong performances. Um, he's just perfect. Atticus Finch and Gregory Peck just go hand in hand with me. Um, yeah, I can't see one without the other. Well, I agree with you to the point that I made it my number one. Um, <laughs> you are co- correct. It is the defining performance for him. It is the ultimate upstanding guy. It is... Uh, it's Atticus Finch. He's the he's the screen hero of all screen heroes. Um, uh, I couldn't put anyone else as number one. I, I don't really care about this anymore because I I know who you're gonna put as number one, 
And I actually am really shocked with myself that I didn't put this performance on there. But um, <laughs> but I'm going to stand by it because I still think I like these five performances better. So go. I love that. Yeah, my number one, I, I don't know, I like my my actors to be a bit messier. And Marlon Brando takes a <laughs> spot for On the Waterfront. He's yeah. just such a mess in this movie, but so wonderful. Um, it is, I think, the you know, some of the greatest acting ever put on film. So is Gregory Peck, but there's something so pure and innocent about Brando as Terry Malloy. And I think it set a precedent for future acting styles and um, actors in years to come. I completely agree. Um, he's, he's fantastic. I just decided to go a different direction. <laughs> I love that. I feel like our actors were very different uh, than our other two categories. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see next week where we go with uh, actress and picture. That is right. So we're going to be concluding our 35th Oscar anniversary special next week with our top five actress performances and a ranking of our top 10 best picture winning films. So join us next week as we tackle those last two categories. 